Meet Reed Lance Rosenthal, rancher, number one best-selling award-winning author, and unabashedly, unapologetically, on the right side of the outstanding issues of our generation. But don't try to fence him in. Sometimes his positions will surprise you, because Reed is definitely his own man, with his own opinions. You might love him, you might hate him, but you won't be able to stop listening. Step over to the right side with Reed. Howdy, listeners from the Atlantic to the Pacific and the Gulf to Canada and around the globe. This is Reed Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. And here we go again. Holy moly. Saddle up. Cinch down. (laughs) It's going to be quite a ride. It's been a crazy year for weather here on the ranch. And no, it's not climate change. It's just a weird April. You know, like 8 degrees at night. And over the last two weeks, like... 28 to 32 at night. In other words, you can't even turn the pivots on because they'll freeze at night. So you turn them on, you turn them off. I mean, it's crazy. And that one storm we got, which was full of moisture, was a godsend because it was drier than a bone, dustier than a spent toothpick. And I was looking the other day at this intricate system that we have of ditches and then reservoirs and then spread out over the next plateau and then cascade down to the next reservoir and spread out over the next plateau. And I noticed that the water's progress downhill was inexorable. It couldn't be stopped. And every collection point had more and more water. And then as the creeks which feed these reservoirs meandered off into the larger creek, which eventually goes into the Platte River, which eventually goes to the sea, it reminded me of a moving mass ever-increasing Kind of like the awakening that I think many of us, many Americans, many people around the globe are having right now. And you know, there's one thing about water. As all the little rivulets collect, as all the little streams converge, as the creeks mingle to make rivers and the rivers eventually reach the sea, water is powerful. It's unstoppable. And we folks, we need to be the water of liberty, the water of freedom the water of national sovereignty. And you'll see what I mean as I get into this show. You know, we're going to be talking about the history of what some people call the New World Order, other people call the Great Reset, and of course, everybody who wants to poo-poo it calls it the Grand Conspiracy Theory. You know, when I brought you the history of censorship, I told you that the first thing they do is to attack the messenger. And if your idea is Anywhere outside the pale of their leftist thought, it is a conspiracy theory. You know, like Russiagate and like Obama spying on Trump and like Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, all those conspiracy theories. Well, here's another one for you, folks, because this is as real as it gets and it's been going on a long, long time. This is not over the last few years. The information I'm going to give you and you can take it and you can decide, and you can research, you can do whatever you'd like. It is real. It is here. And they mean business. Then I'm going to bring you up to speed. I brought you the history of military readiness a couple shows ago. It was a two-part series. And I'm going to give you a little update on that. And tell me if that historical story wasn't prescient when I get done with the story in this show. And then we're going to have a long rat-a-tat-tat. There is lots to cover. All of it's going to tie into the theme of today, which is NWOGR, New World Order, Great Reset. Oh, yeah. 
And of course, this is facts and perspective from your, your hayseed out here in Wyoming in the middle of the wild and remote, playing in the mud and the water of the spring. The Cowboys take. Here we go. You know, your founder's quote that I bring you every show, this quote goes so well with what we're going to be talking about today. This is Benjamin Franklin. When you get into a tight place and everything goes against you, till it seems as though you could not hold on a minute longer, never give up then, for that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. When you're down to nothing, God is up to something. The faithful see the invisible, believe the incredible, and then receive the impossible. Where liberty dwells, there is my country. As you will see, it ties right into what we're going to be discussing. So let's start off with kind of a chronological history. The New World Order, or Great Reset. Did you know that H.G. Wells, famous author, was also a devout socialist? And he wrote a book, he wrote several, in fact, about globalism, but it was called The Open Conspiracy, Blueprints for a World Revolution, 1928. But it starts even before then, folks. In 1913, prior to the passage of the Federal Reserve Act, President Wilson, you know, our first progressive president, he published a a book before he became president called The New Freedom. Let me give you a quote. Since I entered politics, I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the U.S. in the field of commerce and manufacturing are afraid of somebody, are afraid of something. They know there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive, that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. On November 21, 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, another avowed socialist, wrote a letter to a guy by the name of Colonel Edward Mandel, you're going to hear his name a lot, who was a close advisor to President Woodrow Wilson. Hmm. Quote, The real truth of the matter is, as you and I know, that a financial element in the larger centers has owned the government ever since the days of Andrew Jackson. You know, there's a professor by the name of Professor Carol Quigley. He happened to be Bill Clinton's mentor at Georgetown University. And Clinton has paid homage to him for years. Let me read you just a little bit of one of his works, Tragedy and Hope. He wrote it in 1966. Quote, there does exist and has existed for a generation an international network which operates to some extent in the way the radical right believes the Communists act. In fact, this network, which we may identify as the roundtable groups, has no aversion to cooperating with the Communists or any other groups and frequently does so to achieve its ends. I'm going to be giving you a lot of quotes because, you know, the folks who believe, who are pushing, who are the predecessors to those who are pushing the NWOGR, they say it far better than I can, and their words are far more powerful. Rush Limbaugh, great commentator, just terrific. Quote, You see, if you amount to anything in Washington these days, it is because you have been plucked or handpicked from an Ivy League school, Harvard, Yale, Kennedy School of Government. You've shown an aptitude to be a good Ivy League type, and so you're plucked, so to speak, and you are assigned success. You are assigned a certain role in government somewhere, and then your success is monitored and tracked, and you go where the pluckers and the handpickers can put you. On May 4th, 1993... The Council on Foreign Relations, that's called the CFR. You're going to hear a lot about them, too. 
The president, Leslie Gelb, he was on the Charlie Rose show. Quote, you, Charlie Rose, had me on before to talk about the New World Order. I talk about it all the time. It's one world now. The CFR, the council folks, can find, nurture, and begin to put people in the kinds of jobs this country needs. And that's going to be one of the major enterprises of the council under me. Let's go back in time again. I'm bringing you up and I'm bringing you back, kind of like the ebb and the flow of the tide of liberty. 1912, Colonel Edward House, remember that guy? I was just talking about him. Close advisor of Wilson. He wrote Philip Drew, Administrator, and he promotes, quote, socialism as dreamed of by Karl Marx, unquote. 1913, the Federal Reserve, which is not federal, folks, nor a reserve, nor government-owned. It is privately owned. Hate to clue you. All that stuff you've heard, you know, those conspiracy theories by those crazy loons? Well, they're not so crazy. Not even close. The Federal Reserve was planned at a secret meeting in 1910 on Jekyll Islands. It was a group of bankers and politicians, including, by the way, this one Colonel House. And this transferred the power to create money from the American government to this private group of bankers. It is probably, well, not probably, it is the largest generator of debt on the planet Earth. On May 30th, 1919, British and American personalities established this Royal Institute of International Affairs in England and the Institute of International Affairs in the U.S. at the same time. And it was all arranged by, oh, Colonel House and various other socialists, including John Maynard Keynes, the famous economist who, (laughs) should we say, just didn't believe in supply and demand and other things, which are basics to economics. Two years later, our buddy Colonel House, he reorganizes the Institute of International Affairs into the Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR. We were just talking about him. That's why I jumped up 50 years. The CFR, which is a huge globalist-promoting agency within the United States, that was established 50 years prior by our buddy Colonel House. December 15, 1922, the CFR endorses world government. It had a magazine, Foreign Affairs. Let me give you a quote. Obviously, there is going to be no peace or prosperity for mankind as long as the earth remains divided into 50 or 60 independent states until some kind of international system is created. The real problem today is that of world government. In 1928, a book called The Open Conspiracy, Blueprints for a World Revolution. Ah, this is our buddy H.G. Wells I was talking about. Quote, The political world of the into an open conspiracy must weaken, efface, incorporate, and supersede existing governments. The open conspiracy is the natural inheritor of socialist and communist enthusiasms. It may be in control in Moscow before it is in control of New York. The character of the open conspiracy will now be plainly displayed. It will be a world religion. 1931, the students at Lenin's School of Political Warfare in Moscow Quote, one day we shall start to spread the most theatrical peace movement the world has ever seen. The capitalist countries, stupid and decadent, will fall into the trap offered by the possibility of making new friends. Our day will come in 30 years or so. The bourgeois must be lulled into a false sense of security. Unquote. 
1932, there's a bunch of other books, by the way, all published urging the world order, the new world order. Toward Soviet America, this was by William Foster. He's head of the, or he was, head of the Communist Party USA. And he, he wanted a National Department of Education. Think about that. You think all this problem in the schools started a few years ago? Oh, no. Go back to my historical story, the history of education in the United States. You know, all these historical stories are posted on the website, on the rightsideradio.com. Click the historical button. They're all right there with the links, and you will find them scary, and you will find them fascinating, but you will find them enlightening. The New World Order by F.S. Marvin comes out in the same year, and he says the League of Nations, which was a precursor to the current UN, you know, those guys that they care so much about you. Ah. <laughs> wow. He described the League of Nations as the first attempt at a new world order. Quote, nationality must rank below the claims of mankind as a whole. Unquote. Another book came out that year. Dare the school build a new social order. That was written by an educator by the name of George Counts. Quote, the teacher should de- deliberately reach for power and then make the most of their conquest in order to influence the social attitudes, ideals, and behavior of the coming generation. The growth of science and technology has carried us into a new age where ignorance must be replaced by knowledge, competition by cooperation, trust in in providence, you know, God, by careful planning and private capitalism, by some forms of social economy. 1933, the Humanist Manifesto, the guy's name was John Dewey, You will hear him play prominently in my historical story about education. He calls for a, quote, synthesizing of all religions and a socialized and cooperative economic order. Quote, education is thus a most powerful ally of humanism, and every American public school is a school of humanism. What can the theistic Sunday schools, meaning for an hour once a week, teaching only a fraction of the children, due to stem the tide of a five-day program of humanistic teaching, unquote. You parents, you grandparents, are you beginning to see where what you're dealing with today is coming from? Part of a plan. I've said it all along. And when we come back, I'm going to finish up this historical part of the New World Order up to about 1963. Next week, we're going to do the rest of it. And I'm going to come back today with the finalization of this early history of the NWOGR, and I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Welcome back, folks. Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio, and those of you long-term listeners, and those of you who have been listening just for the last several months, now you know why I bring you all the historical stories I do, and now you know how they all dovetail. They all tie in. They are all inseparable from one another, and they all wind up right here, the NWO. GR. Let's continue with the history of the New World Order slash Great Reset. 1933, The Shape of Things to Come, once again by H.G. Wells. And he predicts the Second World War, and he predicts that the new modern world state would succeed starting sometime in the 1980s. He wasn't too far off. Quote, Although world government has been plainly coming for some years, although it had been endlessly feared and murmured against, It has found no opposition prepared anywhere. 1934, the externalization of the hierarchy. 
Alice Bailey, quote, The organizing of the men and women, group work of a new order, progress defined by service, the world of the brotherhood, the forces of light, and out of the spoliation of all existing culture and civilization, the new world order must be built, unquote. 1932, Plan for Peace, Margaret Sanger, the original American Birth Control League founder, now Planned Parenthood. She calls for coercive sterilization, mandatory segregation, and rehabilitative concentration camps for all dysgenic stocks, which, by the way, she clarified to mean blacks, Hispanics, American Indians, and Catholics. Hmm. October 28, 1939, John Foster Dulles, by the way, later a Secretary of State, he proposes that America lead the transition to a, quote, new order of less independent, semi-sovereign states bound together by a league or federal union. Oh, what a great idea, John. That's terrific. 1939, H.G. Wells comes out with yet another book, New World Order. Quote, the manifest necessity for some collective world control to eliminate warfare and the less generally admitted necessity for a collective control of the economic and biological life of mankind. Remember those words, economic and biological, are aspects of one and the same process. And he proposes that this be accomplished through universal law and education. Hmm. December 12th, 1940. The Congressional Record, no less. There's an article called The New World Order by a guy by the name of John Alexander, and he calls for a new world federation. 1942. The Institute of Pacific Relations publishes Post-War Worlds. P.E. Corbett, for those of you who want to look it up. Quote, world government is the ultimate aim. It must be recognized that the law of nations takes precedence over national law. The process will have to be assisted by the deletion of nationalistic material employed in educational textbooks and its replacement by material explaining the benefits of wiser association, unquote. June 28, 1945, President Harry Truman endorses world government in a speech, quote, It will be just as easy for nations to get along in a republic of the world as it is for us to get along in a republic of the United States, unquote. October 24th, 1945, the United Nations is formed. The charter becomes effective. Terrific. And on October 24th, that same day, a senator in the United States Senate by the name of Glenn Taylor, a Democrat, big surprise, from Idaho, introduces a Senate resolution, happened to be number 183. And he calls on our U.S. Senate, the United States of America, to go on record as favoring, quote, creation of a world republic, including an international police force, unquote. 1946, Alger Hiss, remember that name? He's elected as president of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. He gets booted out in 1949. He's convicted of perjury in 1950, sentenced to prison, etc., etc., etc. Later, we found out that Hiss was a devout member of the Communist Party. Party of the United States. In 1946, The Teacher and World Government is published and is published by the former editor of the NEA Journal. What does that stand for? Oh, the National Education Association. Joy Elmer Morgan. Ah, what a peach that guy was. This is a quote. In the struggle to establish an adequate world government, the teacher can do much to prepare the hearts and minds of children for global understanding and cooperation. 
At the very heart of the agencies which will assure the coming of world government must stand the school, the teacher, and the organized profession, unquote. I want you to think about that for just a moment. 1947, the American Education Fellowship, which was formerly the Progressive Education Association, go back to my historical story, quote, establishment of a genuine world order, an order in which national sovereignty is subordinate to world authority, unquote. October 1947, the Associate Secretary of the NEA, you know, boy, they're doing a great job for us, aren't they, folks? William Carr, the NEA Journal, quote, Educators need to teach about the various proposals that have been made for strengthening of the United Nations and the establishment of a world citizenship and world government, unquote. 1948, Walden II, psychologist B.F. Skinner was the author, quote, a perfect society or new and more perfect order, quote, in which, quote, children are reared by the state rather than by their parents and are trained from birth to demonstrate only desirable behavior and characteristics, unquote. This was the basis, folks, and it's in my historical education story. In the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, what was called values clarification and outcome-based education. July 1948, Sir Harold Butler from the UK, tut tut, in the, oh, yeah, the CFR again, foreign affairs. He sees a new world order taking shape, etc., etc. 1948, UNESCO president and socialist, Sir Julian Huxley. He calls for a radical eugenic policy, you know, quote, Thus, even though it is quite true that any radical eugenic policy of controlled human breeding will be for many years politically and psychologically impossible, it will be important for UNESCO to see the eugenic problem is examined with the greatest care and the public mind is informed of the issues at stake that that much that is now unthinkable may at least become thinkable. In 1948, folks, can't make this up, the preliminary draft of a world constitution is published by United States Educators, and it advocates kind of a regional federation on the way to a world federation or government. The constitution that these guys dreamed up provides for a world council along with a chamber of guardians. Oh, well, don't you feel good now? I mean, relax, folks. Get a good night's sleep. You don't even need to eat your Wheaties in the morning. They got this under control for you. Perfect. Perfect. By the way, the preamble to this Constitution calls upon nations, and of course all people, to surrender their arms to the world government. (laughs) And includes the rights of the, quote, Federal Republic of the World, unquote, that's what they called it, to seize private property for federal use. But lest you think it's all these international loons running around beating the drums of kumbaya world government. (sighs) In February 9th, 1950, the Senate Foreign Relations Subcommittee, this is the United States of America, folks, they introduce a concurrent resolution 66. Let me read you its beginning. Whereas in order to achieve universal peace and justice, The present charter of the United Nations should be changed to provide a true world government constitution. The resolution was introduced by, oh, none other than our buddy Glenn Taylor, the Democrat from Idaho, (laughs) and Senator Alexander Wiley. He was a Republican. See, he had rhinos back then, too. From Wisconsin, said a consummation devoutly to be wished for. 
I mean, it's just unbelievable. Senator Taylor, by the way, the Democrat from Idaho. Idaho, were you asleep at the switch out there back then? Wow. Quote, we would have to sacrifice considerable sovereignty to the world organization to enable them to levy taxes in their own right to support themselves. John Foster Dulles, I brought him up before, and he's been active all these years. He gives a speech to the American Bar Association, Louisville, Kentucky. Quote, treaty laws can override the Constitution. Unquote. Wow. And we can transfer rights to an international body through treaty. There's an amendment brought up by GOP Senator John Bricker, good for him, which would have provided that no treaty could supersede the Constitution, but it fails to pass, folks, in 1952 by one vote. You think this upcoming election is important, folks? You're going to get off the couch and rock and roll? I wanted to get further, but we will finish this up next week. It is just as fascinating as what I've been over with you. I wanted to get up to the assassination of John F. Kennedy in 1963, who, by the way, was a nationalist, not a globalist. I'll let that kind of linger. Now, for the rest of the story today, let me tell you that the rest of the story, folks, is modern times. You know our buddy Schwab Klaus yeah, the uh, chairman and founder of the World Economic Forum. Yes, you will all be happy, you will all nothing. Well, he's come up with a nice little catchphrase, in fact, a couple years ago, but it was the theme of this year's Davos crowd called the Fourth Industrial Revolution. I want to read you just a part of this. I want you to think about COVID. I want you to think about the jabs. I want you to think about RMNA. I want you to think about AI. Quote, a part of this phase of industrial change is the joining of technologies like artificial intelligence, gene editing, to advanced robotics and artificial intelligence that blur the lines between the physical, digital, and biological worlds. Unquote. Wow. I brought you an historical story on the military readiness of the United States a couple weeks ago, two parts. And, you know, I got several emails from military folks saying that I was uh, overstating it, that we were more ready than I thought we were. Well, there's a military panel that told Biden several weeks ago that we are in deep caca, kind of like, you know, what I was forewarning you of. So in recent years, the Chinese have developed new stealth fighters. And with Russia and North Korea, they have all developed hypersonic missiles that we can't defend against and that we don't have because, you know, we're busy, we're busy teaching critical race theory instead. On Tuesday, April 26th, the Senate Armed Services Committee, they met to evaluate the inventory, the materials, the machinery health of the U.S. military. <laughs> it did not come out well. Think about that $83 billion in military hardware we left in Afghanistan, by the way, for the Chinese and the Taliban. So, since February 24th, when Russia invaded Ukraine, and we've talked about that, it ain't what it appears, folks. Oh, no. It's a mirage. It's a matrix. It's BS. All the assets that we've been giving to the Ukrainian military, howitzers, M113 armored personnel characters, anti-tank javelins, anti-aircraft stingers. They're out of our arsenal, folks. This isn't new stuff. 
Basically, we've been loaning weapons to Ukraine from its own stockpile. And the Department of Defense, you know, with our Secretary Austin of Dents, <laughs> the Secretary of Dents, we've given away 33% of our Javelin anti-tank missiles. In fact, this is just one little segment of this alarming, to put it mildly, report. It would take 1,000 new Javelins per year to replace what the U.S. has given Ukraine for its protection. In other words, it would take 32 months to replace what Secretary of Dents and President Cadaver and President Obama third term has given away. The subcommittee, by the way, or the committee, recommended that Biden activate the Defense Production Act. This is an act which ensures that the military doesn't experience significant weapons shortages. And it was put together in 1950, as a matter of fact. And the president, who's very good at issuing emergency authorizations and declarations and, you know, executive orders, he could just do an emergency authorization to mandate defense contractors prioritize manufacturing for America's defense. What a novel concept that would be. But you know what? Cadaver hasn't done that. And when we come back, we'll finish up with this military debacle that's playing out before our eyes on every front. But you know, it is all part of a globalist plan. Oh, yes, it is. Diminish the military, and we lose half of our power. The other half is the reserve currency. I have stories about all this stuff coming up in the rat-a-tat-tat, which will be in the next segment. Because in the end, as Barack Obama stated it, we need to be just another seat at the table of nations. Welcome back, folks, from around the world and across the U.S. Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio, www.ontherightsideradio.com. Visit that site. It is jam-packed with historical and current information. We're going to finish up this military stuff, and then we're going to get into rat-a-tat-tat. I don't know if you know this, but the defense contractor industry over the last 30 years, has gone from 51 defense contractors to five. And this committee has come up with a sobering estimate that executing contracts with defense companies, quote, has become too difficult as they don't scale production capacity easily or quickly. Jason Crow, he happens to be a Democrat, amazingly, from Colorado, told Newsweek that the government is using 20th century contracting rules in the 21st century. It takes China, folks, three days to decide on resources, resources allocation, and a plan and move forward with manufacturing. In the United States of America, thanks to the, should we say, non-American globalists that have been installed, that have been educated over the last 34 years, 35 years, and installed in positions of power in this government quite intentionally. It takes the United States to do the same thing three years. And our first rat-a-tat-tat just ties right into our historical story right here. Biden's Ukraine package, $33 billion. Now remember, he's already thrown $14 billion of our tax money at this morass over there in Eastern Europe. And this other $33 billion, that happens to be double what we spend on our own borders. You know, $33 billion to protect Ukraine's borders, 19 or so billion to protect 
ours. Ah, just terrific. More on that in the rat-a-tat-tat, too. But this $33 billion ain't what it's cracked up to be. Gee, are you surprised? I mean, is anything cracked up to be what it's supposed to be? Yeah, no, not so much. Did you know that $8.8 billion of that is going as support, by the way, not just to Ukraine, but countries all around the world? Food security, democracy, anti-corruption. Oh, well, that's a pot calling the kettle black. Cybersecurity, counter-disinformation. Oh, great. You mean they get to have their truth ministries too? Perfect. Human rights, atrocity documentation. Energy, oh yeah, woodmills. And emergency infrastructure. By the way, this assistance is going to go to Europe and Eurasia and Central Asia. No, it's not about Ukraine, folks. It's about globalism. It is ideological foreign policy initiatives under the guise of Ukrainian relief. Remember, Democratic Marxists, the progressives, always have a cloak, that invisibility cloak, which shields what's really going on from your prying eyes. By the way, the State Department is going to be setting up an international, using this money, international version of the DHS Disinformation Governance Board. Uh, more on that here in the rat-a-tat-tat. And did you know that out of this money, U.S. taxpayers, uh, we're going to subsidize European farmers and fund climate change initiatives by paying for alternative energy sources. By the way, that's $500 million allocated for small and medium-sized agro-businesses during the fall harvests. Oh, terrific. How about American farmers? Oh, and listen, you can't have a good bill in this Congress under this administration, or any administration, that doesn't have kickbacks. So there's defense contractor kickbacks. Ukraine gets to utilize the Foreign Military Financing Program funds and contract directly with U.S. companies to procure, quote, defense-related materials, which would facilitate the delivery of military assistance and security sector support, unquote. Wow. Okay. Well, I just brought you a story on, like, maybe we should be spending that money at home. The next rat-a-tat-tat. Oh, you know, look, guys, we didn't die from COVID, but we're going to incinerate nine years. You know, it's the uh, great globalist cloak of climate change. Unfortunately, the statistics, all of them, and particularly the one I'm about to bring you, just aren't with them. So Europe established this global monitoring for environmental and security system in 1998. It studies, it records climate conditions, comparative It was eventually called Copernicus, and the Copernicus Climate Change Service just issued a report. Guess what? The state of Arctic sea ice, uh, it's only down 3% below the 1991 to 2020 average. In fact, the decline in Arctic ice, according to this report, and these guys are lefties, appears to have hit its lowest point in the late 1990s through 2007. It's been improving since then. In fact, Arctic sea ice extent reached its highest low level since 2014 in September of 2021. A Danish professor, Ole Humium, and another GWPF head, this is, you know, the outfit, Dr. Benny Pizer, basically they said, I quote, 
They find it remarkable that anyone would seriously think the planet is experiencing a climate crisis since little has changed in the last 30 years. Oh, well, I guess we knew that. I'm going to bring you more on COVID next week, but there's a new study out, a scientific study, peer-reviewed, on the effects of the jab that I'm going to bring to you very briefly. I'm going to post the article probably this week on COVID page. You know, we have our pages Corruption, COVID, etc., with some of the best collections of stuff anywhere on the web or in media. On the right side, radio.com, upper right hand side of the homepage. But an interesting thing happened on the way to the statistics over the last few weeks. The VAERS site has been up and down, and there's tens of thousands of records, particularly of deaths or serious adverse effects that have suddenly disappeared. Hmm, what could be going on here? More on that next week. Then we have Soros, our buddy Soros. I talked to you about him last week, and it ties right in with this globalistic theme. On April 26, Fox News had done some investigating reporting, and they found that Soros, our work is Soros groups, funded by Soros, are working behind the scenes with Cadaver and his administration to create radical policies. Gee, who would have thought? Go back into the archives on the rightsideradio.com. Listen to the shows on George Soros. You know, this guy has said, quote, national borders were an obstacle to protecting refugees, unquote. In 2020, as you know, he elected a whole bunch of far-left state attorney and district attorneys who turned their back on criminals. Gee, I wonder why crime is rising in uh, Democratic-led cities. But Soros, it's been found out, has this secretive group that he funds through his Open Societies Foundations, and it's called Governing for Impact, or GFI. And they are bragging that they are executing over 20 regulatory agenda items that would reverse Trump policies. In education, oh, globalism. Environmental, oh, globalism. Healthcare, housing, and labor rules. This is a dark, dark, opaque money organization. And it was discovered, all this stuff has come out through Capital Research Center's diligence. You could look all this stuff up on the search engine of your choice, which I recommend is not Google. Google is not your friend. Oh, one other thing on this. One of their missions on their website, take a look at it, is empowering advocates and government officials. Huh, what does that mean? You bribe them, you indoctrinate them, you brainwash them, you mind control them. What, what is this? More on this in the future, I guarantee you. DHS Secretary Mayorkas, I warned you about this guy long before he was appointed. Listen to those archives. He is now asking Congress, first of all, he lied his butt off, <laughs> big surprise, in a congressional hearing the other day, but he's asking Congress for $6.5 billion more of your tax money to detain fewer illegal aliens. And he's telling Congress that the border is, quote, under control, unquote. Okay. DHS, his own agency, said last month that it expects to encounter 18,000, that's 18,000, illegal border crossers a day, which, by the way, folks, comes out to 6.6 million a year. Just think about that. 
Think about how that changes the complexion of this nation, how it undermines those things they must defeat, faith, family, and the Constitution. If you don't think this is part of a plan, if you don't think this ties in with a globalist agenda, well, think again. More on this next week. In fact, next week I'm going to be covering immigration, which is an absolute friggin' mess. Now we have the Ministry of Truth, you know, the Disinformation Governance Board. <laughs> First of all, they put a left loon in charge of this board who supported the Russiagate theories, the Russia, 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 the Russia collusion, the Hunter Biden laptop didn't exist, blah, 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 blah. But she is going to be in charge of what is dis or misinformation. We'll see how this plays out, and I guarantee you there's going to be some wild lawsuits over this. In the meantime, to try and cover his butt, Kadaver saying that, you know, we need to look at this Section 230 thing, you know, for big tech. Gee, that thought came up after Elon Musk bought Twitter, which is already well on its way toward reestablishing all sorts of accounts and free speech. The left is worried, folks. You know, it's uh, we have an election in six months. Got to control what people think, what they hear, what they see. I'm going to bring you more on the Ministry of Truth, you know. I kind of think the Ministry of Truth could be a 1984 thing, George Orwell. Or, you know, it could be it could be a Harry Potter thing. And maybe all these guys in this government right now is, uh, hmm, maybe they're the Dementors. Could be. Newsmax, April 27th. They came up with, and Reuters, by the way, uh, supported it. It seems that the Chinese are getting more and more involved in the Ukrainian conflict as Russia is getting more and more mired down. In fact, there's now Chinese drones flying over Ukrainian positions and reporting back to Russia and to China. Terrific. And these drones are made by DJI, that's DJI, Sciences and Technologies LTD, a Chinese company. Of course, you're going to see more and more involvement, either overt or covert like this, by China in Ukraine. If you think we're out of the woods on a potential greatly escalated conflict and heaven forbid, nuclear weapons, even if they're tactical. Well, you have a lot more faith in mankind and our leaders, quote-unquote, than I do. By the way, along those lines, Putin's latest order is probably going to cause a massive recession in Europe, which is going to be reflected over here, you know? I mean, that's just the way it works. Everything is interconnected. Putin announced that beginning on April 1, every all these bills lag. All the European, the EU members, they have to pay for any Russian gas purchases using Russian rubles. France and Germany thumbed their nose at Putin. And then on April 27th, the Russian gas exporter Gazprom has ended all sales of liquid national gas to Bulgaria and Poland. Hmm. And you know they're going to do the same to the other countries. And listen, every transaction in oil, in petro, that is not in dollars, but in some other currency, weakens the dollar as the reserve currency of the world, which, along with the military, is the other half of America's power. Well, we're out of time. As always, it's unbelievable. I mean, I need a three-hour-a-day show is what I need. But I would hope that after this show and the last few shows, as I'm 
bringing all these historical stories and all these current events all intertwined together for you into one big ball of nasty soup that you will look in the mirror, you will repeat with your family, and you will repeat with conviction, I will muster, I will stand, I will not comply, I will never give in, I will never stop fighting. I will join with those in these United States and across the globe who love freedom as I do. And we will win. Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side Radio. Thanks for listening. Talk at you next week. Please remember, if you've missed any shows, just click on Show Archive and you'll find all of his shows. We look forward to seeing you here again next week for another episode of Read Lance Rosenthal on the Right Side.